Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the FPL show. Hopefully, you are doing well and you've managed to have a good weekend with your fantasy teams. Tonight, I'm joined by Damo. How are you going? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Another week of fantasy Premier League to break down and a double game week to preview. I'm loving life. Yeah, I think we need to jump straight ahead into our review of last week because for a lot of people, it was a very, very interesting week. I think I might have been the person potentially with the lowest score. I'm just going to get our league up just to see what Dom got, but I am just pulling his up. No, Dom was majorly under. So Dom got 48 points, which would have been a monster, monster red arrow. He had a team of Leno get 10 points, which probably saved his weekend, to be fair. He had Gusto on his field get negative two. Uh, Stooping in with a six. Udoji with a blank. Rashford blank. Mbwemo blank. Diaby blank for the first time in a while. He did have Saka, but then he had Jackson Alvarez and Haaland as a captain. And I know that his transfer last week was Ja Pedro out for Julian Alvarez. So... Probably disappointing there for Dom. He has told us tonight that he has pulled the wildcard trigger, but he's not set on his team just yet. So if you do want to see Dom's team, make sure you jump over to Twitter at FPL Dopata because he will probably update his team over on Twitter. I'll go through my team in a little bit more detail. So I got 64 points, and at one point over the weekend, I thought I was absolutely flying until Newcastle went and did Newcastle-type things and managed to kill my rank completely. So I went from 1.1 mil to about 1.8 mil um, in the end. 64 was just under the average, and there's a couple moves there that hurt me a little bit. I had two things to contemplate, and I'll get into that in a sec, but yeah, I had Pickford as well. Estupinen and Vardiol got some returns, finally got some returns out of Vardiol. So I think the him and Gabriel ledges now evened up. <laughs> over the last five weeks. So that made me feel a bit better that he got one bonus point, but I was actually happy to see Vardiol playing in that advanced role again for City. He played that real left-back role and really getting in and around the box and getting on the ball. So I think long-term he could be a really good option still, but the fixtures should be iffy, but I still be looking at him. And Buemo, I think a lot of people had him. Bruno getting that volley against Burnley was massive because a lot of people were getting off of Bruno Fernandes. Salah, again, just keeps ticking along and Dame and I as two owners of him are very, very happy. Saka in, still flying again, but picking up a knock. We'll talk about that after. Odson Edward, my punt, unfortunately, he's picked up a hamstring injury. Roy Hudson hasn't officially confirmed him out, but his quote was along the lines of, I've never seen anyone recover in time with that type of hamstring. Can Odson be the first? When you're hearing quotes like that, He's hopeful he's going to play, but I think there's no chance he plays this week. And then the Alvarez punt, the only reason that doesn't come off this week is the Rodri red card. And then Man City being two goals up, were able to reshuffle defensively and they just saw the game out 2-0. So although he was brought in by about 1.7 million uh, managers, I just think that was circumstantial. And it's probably a, a free hit for Pep to give Alvarez a rest because they were 2-0 up. They've got Carabao Cup tomorrow our time but that will be another rest for Alvarez as well so I think he gets a full sort of game and a half rest anyway so I think he's actually going to be primed ready to go for the weekend so on my bench though I had Elliot Anderson get six points so he's gone and played 90 minutes in two games so he could be an option for me but I am going to talk about my team a little bit later but Damo as a top scorer 
this week. Do you want to run through your side? I definitely will. Paul, you get a green arrow this week or a slight red? Nah, I got a big red. I went from 1.1 to 1.8 in the end. So okay. what happened was I was a green arrow all the way up until the Newcastle game. Then I was a, I was still a green arrow until the bonus points all kicked in. But because so many people had Botman, Trippier, everyone getting those bonus points pushed me like down 600,000 spots or something. So my other decision was I could have negative forward, Chilwell out for Botman, and I would have gained eight points doing that. Yeah. So we spoke about that Saturday night, didn't we? And I was leaning that way, but then it was like, I don't want to take a hit with a wild card around the corner. Like in no world was I seriously going to pull the trigger and then I wake up and see that he scored. I'm like, oh, what are the chances? Bob, I've never seen Botman score, and the week I was going to bring him in for a hit, he scores. But that's just fantasy. Correct. And look, uh, I, I, I've been lucky that I own Botman. I planned to get Botman in uh, a few game weeks ago to get ahead of the crowd as people were looking to get in, like the likes of Chilwell, uh, you know, a couple other defenders at the time that were doing well. I, I made my move earlier in game week three, pause. You remember to get Botman on my bench and rode a price drop, now riding some price rises. Um, if you guys want a testament to how close the ranks are, I got a red arrow with 77 points. A slight red arrow has to be said. I only went down like 16K, so basically break even. But, um, you know, I've slipped out the top 100K for the first time this year. I think that's still a positive. Uh, in terms of the team, Pickford's Pickford. Don't need to speak about him. Uh, they went down to 10 men, Chelsea, so Coe doesn't get a clean sheet. Chill has already been transferred out by me to avoid any further price drops. So we've already done that. Stupian yep, gets same. a six-pointer with the assist. Botman got 12 for me off the bench, which I'm happy with. Off the bench, I'm you know, starting. I did start him. Um, and then, yeah, Madison, usual suspect, great. It sounds like his injury is not too bad. And he'll play against Liverpool, which is a big tick for me. Uh, Bruno finally returns. We've rode him through thick and thin. Benway blanks again, but I have no issues. Saka looks like he's going to be injured more long-term. We'll touch on that a bit later, but 13 points. Salah, Salah, Haaland, captain. Um, the only thing that uh, we can all say here uh, about it, Paul, is yet again, I was tempted to go Salah. And yet again, I decided I can't really do it because they're playing Forest. Um... I keep looking at Sutherland and Sutherland's form, and there's a time and a place to captain him. I'm going to tell you he's all right now when it gets to game week night. I think I'm captaining Salah three game weeks in a row unless I have Son in the team, and maybe we captain Son one of those game weeks as well. Yeah, so look, I think, again, it's one of those weekends where it just you can't control you know, an 8-0. Like it's just such out of the blue. People that had Botman and Trippier just would have absolutely flown miles up the ranks as well. Um, and... It, you know, I'm in an interesting position with my side with injuries. I've already made the same move. I've made the Chilwell move to Botman already as well because I don't want to miss the, the fall there. But I think there's going to be a lot of discussion this week around wild cards. And I think for the the other thing that hurt was the Spurs attackers. So I went into this week with no Newcastle defence and no Spurs attack. And that's where I lost a lot of rank on Sunday night because... Madison two assists, Sun two goals, Botman, Trippier clean sheets and attacking returns. That They were the four danger players for me this week and I didn't own any of them and I took the risk of getting rid of Jao Pedro. Oh, sorry. I can't remember. What yeah, was my move? Was... Alvarez. No, no. I moved... Not Jao Pedro. Jackson. So yeah. Jackson for Alvarez was a straight swap but then what I've gained is that Jackson got the yellow card again, has got himself suspended. So... Um, 
part of the reason why I know Dom wildcarded was because he has Jackson suspended, he has Saka injured, he has Gusto suspended, and he has Rico Henry ACL sitting in his team. So <laughs> he was kind of forced to wildcard. Yeah, I think we yes. just need to get straight into the main nuts and bolts of this episode because I'm very close to pulling the trigger on my wildcard. Now, I did say last week that I was going to hold off for game week nine. Yep. The reason behind me wildcarding is when I look at my team, I'm at a cost of 32 points, which is eight moves, and that's including Botman, who's in my team currently. So really, it's nine moves out of 15. I think that's enough for me to go, yep, we're going to pull the trigger on on the move here. So what – should I just run through the team, do you reckon? Um, what I think is because we're going to focus heavily on your decision to wild card or not what a potential wild card draft might look like. My moves are a little bit more straightforward since I made them, so maybe we'll just run through oh, yeah. one quickly. Yep. Um, there's only one contentious point, which I'll ask you the question when I get to the end. I've already made my two moves. I took Chiwa out. I waited until the game finished just in case there was an injury or a red card or a major injury. And I know you guys might be thinking of Saka. It sounds like Madison will play this week and Saka will be out for a few weeks. Um, if worst comes to worst, I'll just play Cobell against Fulham and Saka goes to the bench, which is a bad thing for me. Uh, but uh, I've made my two moves. It was Chilwell down to Kabore. Uh, frees up some funds because I do plan in game week eight to get a one-week punt before a potential game week nine wildcard on Son. Um, but yeah, Kabore's come in for the double. And the other one is Semenyo, who I've been speaking about was just a placeholder for this player. It is Morris. So my team next week has two double game week players. It'd be Pickford against Luton, Kabore against Everton and Burnley, Stupin against Villa, Botman against Burnley, Madison against Liverpool, Fernandes against Chelsea, Bremer against Forrest, Suller against Spurs, Morris against Everton and Burnley, Wolves against uh, Harlan against Wolves. And then it's either Saka against Bournemouth, if pass fit, or Colwell against Fulham, and I think both fixtures are fine. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty good team for game week, uh, you know, game week seven and a double. I think the only question I have for you in my team here, Paul, is I do have my captain's armband, and it's on Morris. Well, what do you think? Am I going to keep him on there instead of Harlan against Wolves, or what would you do? Oh, if Everton got smoked this week... I'd have a lot more confidence in that move. But I think Everton have been a team that haven't actually given up a whole lot. Like, they've been solid, but have conceded one or two big chances each game and have conceded one or two goals, really. They haven't been smoked yet, I don't think, from memory. Even the Sheffield United game was an absolute wonder hit from Archer and then one that fell off the post into Pickford, you know, as an own goal. They conceded four against Aston Villa and they were absolutely diabolical in that game. But then, really, they conceded one to Fulham, one to Wolves, two to Sheffield United, one to Arsenal, one to Brentford. The game, I guess, you're targeting more so for Morris there is the Burnley game because Burnley aren't great (laughs) either. But it's going to be interesting to see what Burnley do because Burnley have so far played Man City, Aston Villa, Tottenham, Forest and Man United. They've had a dreadful start fixture-wise, and the one game you'd expect them to probably get a point in, they did against Forrest. They only conceded one goal, although they did get a red card and then Forrest were really going after it. So I think if you're going to bring Morris in, you have to captain him. I think there's no point bringing him in to not captain him with the two fixtures. He did score at the weekend, and he had one hit the post, I think, or the bar from memory. Yeah, from distance. Yeah, so 
I see the potential in doing it, and he's probably the only other captain option this week because Salah and Son play each other. Haaland has Wolves. So I think if you're going to take a punt, it's it's Haaland or Morris. I don't see another captain option this week. So I don't mind it. I don't mind the differential pick. And if he does get a couple of returns, you know, it'll pay off. But do I see a world where Haaland gets two goals against Wolves? I see that as well. So Yeah, and I... I'll run through my pros and cons really quickly for both options here quickly before we get into your more interesting wildcard dilemma. Um, I think if you're bringing Morris in, he's the reason for captaining him would be you're bringing him in. So if you're bringing him in, you should be captaining him. I understand yeah. that logic. I think the other thing that we really like about Morris is that he is the penalty taker. You get two bites of the, chen- pe- yeah. of the cherry for penalties. And as you just hope he slots. Um, if you look at last week's game, even though he hits the post from distance, he has a header that is very well saved as well in the game and then scores the pen that they do get. Um, and I just feel like that what we've seen from Harlan, the way his track record means that Harlan hasn't been as clinical away from home yeah. as he normally is. And that's a historical thing from last year as well. So I think those are very good positives to take Morris on. My last positive may be something I maybe shouldn't read into, but my rank's 109k in the world. If it does go really wrong, how far could I really drop is the question. Yep. Probably very far because Harlan's fixtures are, well, for Harlan's ownership and effective ownership is going to be huge. And this is the con of going against Harland in a week where he could go big, is if it does go wrong and Morris doesn't return, look, he more than likely gets two points each game, four points as eight points as captain. It's not the worst, right? Um, yeah, Harlan could potentially get 16 points and then all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball a bit. I think I'm captaining Morris because even worst case scenario as mentioned, it's four points. That's eight points compared to all the single game week plays. He probably outscores a couple. So I think I'm doing it. It is close. It is tight. But I also think if I'm going to go straight back up the ranks and get back inside that top 50K, which is the goal, I think these sort of game weeks are the game weeks, like I did with Archer against Everton, are the game weeks where you just go with what you think could happen. Sorry, I just missed a whole heap of what you said there because you got all glitchy and whatever, but hopefully that's come out okay in the recording. But, yeah, I do agree um, that if you're going him, then you're probably going to have to just captain him in because it does make logical sense, especially with – is it two home fixtures as well? I think it is. Uh, No, Everton away are good as – all right, that could be a tough one, but um, it is what it is, and I don't mind it. Like, there's a world where, as part of a wild card, that I do look at getting Morris in, because then you can slowly look to move him either down or sideways um, in order to make that happen. Um, and there's there's some good striker options I actually think around the between the six point five and the four point five bracket. Like, there are decent enough players there to consider bringing in. So I think. If you are bringing him in, you don't have to panic about getting him out straight away as well. It just means that he's going to be a very usable bench option um, there for you as well. So before we move in, Damo, anything else you want to touch on? Not really. A lot of my game, a lot of my plan has been about a game week nine wild card. Um, I was potentially toying with a game week ten. Uh, I think there is even a world where I, I look at a game week fifteen wild card, which might sound a bit random, but that's when City's fixtures turn before the blank. Uh, they have no for the people who wait till nineteen, so they get the blank and then get them all in for Everton and Sheffield. I actually think getting him in for 
Game week 15, Villa, Luton, Palace, ride the blank with a good bench. Everton, Sheffield could be potential. And something that I'm thinking about doing, because it allows me to keep Salah, who I've already got, Son, who I've already got, Bruno, who I've already got, um, and Son I'll get next week, obviously, with my plan move, if things go yeah. well. And there's a world where it is. It does mean that if that's the case, I'm probably switching the lights of Morris, Cowell, Yudoji, Archer, or depending on fixtures, and that's maybe the downside. But I thought that's something I'd throw out there, that if anyone else is thinking about a game week 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 wildcard, that's what a block. I'm with you guys, because I think when the City fixtures turn, we're all going to want to be tripled up. Yeah, I agree on that. So... Look, there's going to be plenty to play out. I'm, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't intending on a wild card this week. But when I look at what my team would be this week, and I'm looking worst case scenario, so I did jump the move Chilwell to Botman, and I still don't think that's a bad idea anyway in hindsight. But this was before I had any news on Edward and Saka. What it means for my team is I have to play two of Bayer, Anderson, Udoji this week. I'm already chasing rank as it is at 1.8. I still didn't think my team was in bad shape, but I've got Matt Turner, who at some point is going to come out for Odysseys. Yudoji will come back in the team. That's fine. But then Anderson has played 90 minutes in the last two games, but I don't expect that to continue for too much longer. Then I've got Vardiol, who has Wolves this week, which is granted a great fixture, but then he gets Arsenal, Brighton, Man United, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, Aston Villa. I don't know how many clean sheets Man City are going to keep in that run. And if they're not getting clean sheets and Vardiol's not the best attacking return type of operator, then there's an interesting question around. And Bumo gets Forrest away this week's not bad, but then Man United away, Burnley, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal. Then from game week 14 gets a good run again and back at it. So have to kind of think that I think Brentford aren't looking as sharp as they were at the start of the season either, if I'm being particularly and being a bit picky. And I just think we've been able to ride some of Mbumo's luck, you know, maybe a little bit dry now. And there's going to be a little bit of regression there because we know he's a much better asset when Ivan Tony's in the team. So we've spoken about this demo, haven't we, around what a wild card's potentially going to look like if it's a game week seven. Yeah, we have. We uh, we did a little bit of planning beforehand, and uh, it could be a potential gold mine. I think if you do plan on um, wildcarding pool this game week, and we discussed it off air, and I think I put this disclaimer in before we continue, you really have to look long term because your next potential wildcard might not be game week till game week 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. Yeah. And again, I'm really trying to make a conscious effort this year not to uh, take any hits. Uh, that's the main goal for me this year, unless I need it. But I don't think those hits will need to be necessary until after that second wild card's come and gone because that's when you're going to be chasing at that point. So what it comes down to for me is can I get enough coverage and can I spread my funds around so that I've got players in every position what I don't particularly like with what I've got in front of me is I've got Archer and Kabore sitting at the back of my bench. Now, Archer's not the worst sub to have because you can play him across most fixtures, I'd say. But how confident can we be with Archer when he's gone 
albeit he's played 74, 90 and 90, but he's played Tottenham and Newcastle. So this isn't the week to be buying Cameron Archer, in my opinion, because we've just not seen him play anyone else other than two really strong teams. And again, Newcastle was just on another planet this week uh, against Sheffield United. So for me, I think Archer still will sit in my team and I'll just have to bank that he is a good player and that he's going to be at least locked in for 90 minutes and he's not a problem moving forward. So Cameron Archer probably does get a mention in this team. Kabore comes in and immediately starts for me with a double against Everton and Burnley. Then he probably doesn't look to get played. The main option I've got is do I cheap down on my defence or do I manage to go up with another defender and a cheaper goalkeeper? So I'll run through my goalkeeper options. I've gone with Areola and Leno. The other option I've got is I go from 4.6 million Leno down to a 3.9 and just set and forget Areola. And then that allows me to move Kabore to another 4.5-ish type defender. So if I make those moves now live for you guys. So we end up with a good chunk of money to at least be able to bring in somebody in this side. So if I just bring this goalkeeper in, we've got 4.7 mil. So for 4.7, we can really target another solid defender, whether that be an Anderson from Crystal Palace, whether it be Digne from Villa and Double Up. We've got options there to at least be able to attack another defence or double up a defence. So for me, it could be someone like an Anderson because his fixtures are good, he's locked in, and he gives us the extra rotation risk long... Oh, rotation risk. The extra rotation option long-term. It could be someone like a Kurt Zuma as well, who I've spoken about at, at length. And what I need to be content with is, do I give away the goalkeeper rotation? And it probably wouldn't be Zuma, actually, if I've got Areola, because then we know that Zuma's going to have a bad fixture, potentially, when Areola does too. But it just means that Zuma sits on the bench of those hard games and you just run the one West Ham defender. So that's probably what I'm thinking is going with Areola as just my set and forget goalkeeper and the 3.9. And then if Areola gets injured, then I just have to make a transfer. So how do you want me to run through this demo? Do you want me to go line by line and we evaluate each line? Yeah, correct. And I don't mind the 3.9 mil rotation um, either if you're going to just set and forget Areola because he's the sort of keeper that even in the hard fixtures he gets points and cle- and uh, save points, etc. He's been pretty good this year. So And I, I don't, don't see mind. West Ham conceding the fours and fives where correct. it becomes negative points. So I don't mind it. Um, I also don't mind rotating keepers there too, depending on what you look at longer term. But uh, yeah, I think we better go line by line, really take it nice and slow. Yep. See what a team looks like and, uh, you know, might be by the end of this uh, episode, Paul, you may have pulled the trigger. Yeah, so Areola and Virginia at the moment are sitting as my two goalkeepers. The team has point two in the bank and that's obviously had some cash generation from throughout the season. The players in my defence that stay in my team are Astupin and Udoji and Botman was already transferred in. Then I've picked up Matty Cash and Kurt Zuma for Bayer and Vardiol. So I know we didn't talk about Zuma, Damo, so I might start on Zuma. But West Ham's fixtures, relatively long-term, are good. He's not someone you need every single week. He gets Sheffield United at home this week, so it's, it's likely that I will double up on West Ham defence anyway. 
Then Newcastle, Villa probably sits on the bench, but then you get Everton, Brentford, Forest, Burnley, Palace, Spurs, Fulham, Wolves. So all the way up to game week 18, 17, very strong fixtures. And then he has some sporadically good fixtures in there. Your doji, we know from game week eight, everyone's going to want Spurs assets. So he's going to be a set and forget. Botman, everyone's gone buying Botman like crazy. I still don't think he's going to have goal threat. But again, all the way up to game week 19, he's got solid fixtures. Then he has two poor fixtures and then he gets me all the way to 25. So Botman will be someone, as long as he doesn't get injured, who will be in my team all the way up to that next wild card. Matty Cash, pretty similar as well. He has about one or two real hard games all the way up to about game week 22 where he gets Newcastle again and a Astupinian from game week 9. I don't know if you're looking at it on your screen as well. Yeah. Astupinian really goes all the way up to game week 28 without a hard run of games. So Correct. that back five will be more than serviceable, I think, all the way through to the second wild card. What are your thoughts on that back five? Oh. I think it's a pretty good back five. Uh, I think with that too, there's a lot of aid for rotation. Um, And what we mean by that is that they seem to rotate well or have good enough fixtures to accommodate. It also is a back five where it's easier to move the other options. Like if a Brentford option emerges, especially with the injury, the long-term injury now to Rico Henry, um, you know, if someone comes in or it's Pinnock, you know, there's someone to move to there. Or Hickey. Uh, yeah, correct. It depends on who plays that role. You know, there's a potential for you to move to maybe another emerging option as well. Um, you know, there might be someone that does emerge due to an injury or something like that. Like, for instance, uh, i just throw it out there. Hopefully it never happens. Like, Robertson gets a long-term injury. Simicasso, like, four-point-whatever million is. is yeah. Like, you know, you, you've got enough. It's not like you're priced out or too far away from, like, that next serviceable option. So I don't mind that at all. It just locks out Trippier and Trent. Really, that's probably the only thing that this draft does is you just can't get to a premium defender. But clean sheets have been so hard to predict anyway, and no defenders' attacking returns have been. Like I know Trippy had three assists this week, but that was the anomaly so far. No one's gone crazy with assists, but Cash has had a big game already this year. So is your Doji, and so is a stupid. And so I've covered three of them, and the other two picks are Zuma and Botman. Who Botman? Is surprising that he actually has such low goal threat for someone who's so big and can probably get on the end of some of those corners. But Zuma, we've seen in the past, really get big scores in games that we expect them to do well in. In those games, they get clean sheets and he pops up with a header. And especially with Ward-Prowse's delivery, I just expect Zuma to keep getting some attacking returns this year. Similar to Gabriel. Yeah, what are your I thoughts think that, on that? I think, I think that he's pretty similar, as you mentioned just there as well, Paul. So... I don't think that that is too bad of an idea. I think the only thing that we say right now, especially because everyone's hyping up on Trippier, it's nice to have that move to get to him. Um, but I think with a lot of people that already own someone like me and you do, how do you free up funds to get to Trippier is the interesting question, and it's very hard to do. So um, yeah. I think if you just bite the bullet and know that you're going to have Botman as cover, it is what it is. Trippier's not going to get free assists every game as well. And no, and I'm worried that he gets some rotation around Champions League time. They've got Liveramento there as well. And I just see that Trippy is going to be someone when the games come thick and fast, they're going to prioritise Europe for him, I think, in those periods of play and let Liveramento play it right back um, a little bit more because he hasn't even seen minutes, I doubt. So that's just a bit of a risk. But, you know, there's a player in this team. Well, there's actually two players in this team that are really keeping me out of Trippier. And 
I might segue my way into that line. It's the midfield line is where my team has struggled, particularly this year. I went three four three, and I missed out on having the fifth midfielder, which has really cost me so far. So, knowing that Archer's in this team, I'm hoping you guys have uh, cottoned on that I've gone three five two because that's where I think this team really can salvage me some points. And it's not me chasing points from everybody, but there's one particular player that I am chasing here. It's Sun. Again, it is a week early on Sun, but do I see a world where this Liverpool-Spurs game finishes 3-2 or 2-2? 100%. I think it's more likely that this game finishes 2-2 or 3-2 than 1-0 or 2-1 because we can't defend. Spurs are struggling to defend as well. So I think there's goals in this game, and if there's goals in this game, Hyun Min's son's going to be at the centre of it. We've seen Madison get some good attacking returns, but... I'm choosing to pay up on Sun and pay up on the goal threat versus the assist threat because I need the points more so than anything. So I think if you pick, if you can have the flexibility to go Sun or Madison, which way would you lean, Damo? I, th- I think if we had the flexibility, and I own, I've owned Madison for so long, I think it's Sun, and it's because he's playing nine, and I know that shouldn't really matter, but it matters so much because the opportunity of chance he's being created for him is ridiculous. And I'd rather have the goal threat than the assist threat. Not saying that it's bad, but have a look at the weekend just gone. Who got the most? Who got the free bonus points? Who got the fantasy? Uh, who got the more fantasy points? It's the guy yeah. putting the ball in the back of the net, not the assister. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking long term to have Son. I'm looking long term to own both and then take both of them out before my wild card too. If I go to game week fifteen or sixteen. So it, it even shows for a guy that owns Madison, if I'm breaking, you know, or trying so hard and stressing so hard to get Son in, it probably means if you made me pick between the two, it has to be Son. Yeah. And that's where I lie on it as well. He's got penalties as well, so I think it, Yeah, I was gonna say, and there's that that does not mean that Madison's a bad option. I've had Madison since game week one. I attribute my really good rank to owning Madison since game week one. Yeah, and the reason why time. my red wasn't so big last last week was because of Madison too. So And he's still uh, got two assists as well. So it's not saying that he's a bad option, but I think if you're in a position similar to me and you're wild carding, I think you've got to stretch what you can to try and get the goal threat with penalties. And, you know, Madison's still going to be a good option. There's a world where you could say get both in, but that might be something that I look at longer term, but not so much for Liverpool away. I think it, I'd struggle to have them um, both in my team. So that's where the first pick is. I've kept Salah because Liverpool's run is fantastic. I think he's the only player now to have returned in every single game this season as well. Spurs, Brighton, Everton, Forest, Luton, Brentford, Man City, Fulham, Sheffield, Palace, Man United, Arsenal, all the way up to 18, then Burnley, Newcastle. Like, Salah's fixture-proof anyway, but the run's too good not to have him. So I'm keeping Salah. It's annoying that we've not been rewarded with any price rises or anything, but that's because he's not gone and had a 22-pointer and a hat-trick with an assist and all the rest of it. But I'm happy with what I'm seeing from Salah, and I know he's more an assist threat at the moment, but how can you take him out? He's just in such good form. And anyway, if you did want to take him out eventually... Two moves get you anyone you want in any position. So if I wanted Trippier, you go sell it down to Luis Diaz or to Phil Foden or whoever you want, and then you move your defender up. So 
I like the flexibility in being able to do that with Salah because you can free up the money if I want to, but no intention of doing that so far. And the other midfielder I've kept in my team is Bruno Fernandes. Only brought him in recently for Matoma. I still like what I see from Bruno. Again, I know they only beat Burnley 1-0, but the numbers are there for Bruno. The fixtures are there for Bruno. I'm going to ride him pretty much all the way up to my wild card, barring an injury. What do you th- What are your thoughts on Bruno at the moment? Look, he's a great player to own. Um, I love him a lot. I've had him since game week one. His uh, points, or his points, sorry, his points haven't been there. His XG and XGA has been incredible. Finally got a moment to put a ball in the back of the net against Burnley. And moving forward, he's not bad. There is a world where I take him out, you know, game week 15. There's a world where if I game week nine wildcard, he comes out. But then he goes like Everton, Luton, Fulham. He's got, he right? goes... He goes the other way around. So Fulham, Luton, Everton, 11, yeah, 12, 13. Correct. And he would come straight back into me to the point where I'd almost be selling Son if I had to to get him back in. Um, and I know people might be, oh, that's crazy. That's that's silly. You know, he hasn't got points. Uh, we don't play the game for past points. We play for game for potential future points. And a guy that I think that if everything went right would get over 200 points in fantasy, I still think he could if United put some chances away and improve a little bit in front of goal. Um, and hopefully Hodgland is that guy that helps him out. I still think there's a world where Bruno's going to get 200 points. And if you're speaking about a guy that has great numbers and yep. could get 200 points in fantasy, he's a guy that I think you really can hold longer term. Someone on penalties that's going to hopefully get more penalties than what he does. And yeah, I, I think he's a great footballer. And in a perfect world, you know, if we had unlimited funds, your midfield would be Sulla, Son, Madison, Bruno, and then whoever... Yeah, yeah, whoever else you want. want. Yeah, whoever fix you want to ride in that fifth midfield spot, well, like Diaby or something like that. But yeah, I think he's incredible. I, will, yeah. I think he's better than Rashford at times. Yep. Yeah, so I think he's a bit more locked into his role. So Bruno hangs around for me. The last two midfielder spots for me are a bit more punty with Diaby and bringing Matoma back in. So the one thing I was impressed with Matoma was he played 45 minutes and managed to score two goals. That was just unbelievable at the weekend for Matoma. And People might say, why are you bringing Matoma in now with Villa, Liverpool, Man City? For me, that's with the intention of him actually not playing all of those games for me. He'll probably start against Villa because Villa defensively haven't been the best, although I do have Matty Cash in my team. Matty Cash probably sits on the bench for me this week because of how good Brighton have been going forward anyway. So I'll probably play the Matoma over Cash, but then... Once you get past Liverpool and Man City, he then goes Fulham, Everton, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest, Chelsea, Brentford, Burnley. That's a juicy set of fixtures where Matoma definitely doesn't have to start every single one of those games in order to be a dangerous threat. So for me, I'm taking Matoma because I did start with Matoma. There's no way... It's hard because... Playing Bournemouth, I did want Matoma. And if I had seen that he'd been benched, I would have been absolutely livid. And then people got rewarded by keeping him through the Man United game, which is when I switched him to Bruno. So, again, not the best decision with Bournemouth arising, but the plan was what I saw happen is exactly what I thought was going to happen. I said there's no way Matoma's going to start the Bournemouth game. He goes and scores a double straight off the bench. Who you know you can't pick that. So I think my thought process was completely correct. It was just that he got a major return, and that probably could have saved my week. So that's my midfield. So Sun, Matoma, Salah, Bruno, Diaby to go with a Stupin and Cash, Botman, Udoji, Zuma. That just fills me with a lot more confidence than having 
Elliot Anderson and Bayer in my team. That's the main thing there. So I lose Saka. That's probably the main one. And I lose Embuemo. But I'm not fussed with losing Embuemo and Saka for Diaby and Matoma with their fixtures coming up. Thoughts on that? I think it's good. Um, I like the Matoma uh, pick, of course, as well. He's someone that I'm looking for in my Game Week 9 or 10 wildcard or potentially my Game Week 15 slash 16 wildcard to have transferred in and then take out when they get to like Arsenal, then Palace and a couple more of those trickier fixtures before it swings again back in their favour. I think long-term, if you're picking him now, you're just riding on the bench through those few bad fixtures. It's more that I'll be wildcarding around then. Yeah. Uh, I think he's fantastic. I think the other midfielders are a good bunch too. I, I just like that. You know, and I know that you have a couple of strikers, obviously, Paul, and I think your bench isn't too bad, obviously, um, that you can rotate these guys. And this is the thing is, like, if you've got a good bench, you just fix your play. And obviously, whoever's got the better fixture plays. And then there's the other case, with, especially Matoma, we've seen being that when he starts, he's that good at what he does. He's almost fixture-proof. I don't want to say he's fixture-proof yeah. because that's for the premiums that never get rotated. But he's... Fixture proof to the sense that if he plays against Brighton and Brighton being so attacking, plays against Brighton. When Brighton play him, whoever Brighton's playing against because he's so attacking, they're going to get chances no matter even if it's Manchester City. So I think that, you know, even if you're locked into playing him in a week where he has a potentially difficult fixture, like when they play Arsenal in game. But he's the type of player that you want to play in a hard fixture. Correct. And that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. So I'm happy to go back on the Matoma train. I think they'll struggle in Europe anyway. So I think there's going to be a world where he probably stops playing in Europe like towards the back end of the group because I think it's going to be a big learning curve for a lot of those players. So then that's the positive for the Premier League is they'll probably start focusing on the Premier League again. So as I've said, Archer is my other striker. So Haaland is locked in. So if you've done your maths right, I'm left with 7.1 in the bank. Now, striker options are very interesting because we know Rasmus Hoyland has some fantastic fixtures, as does Bruno Fernandes, but I am not prepared just yet to make a move on Rasmus Hoyland. Some other players that have been in form have been Awanyi is someone I'm looking at majorly in this price bracket. Fixtures aren't amazing, has... Brentford, Crystal Palace, Luton, which I think are actually pretty solid. Then Liverpool, Villa, West Ham, Brighton, Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Spurs, Bournemouth. Interesting fixtures. I do see some potential returns there for our boy Awanyi. Darwin Nunes is someone who I'm going to love to not own, but hate to own and then hate to not own and love to not own because... It's an absolute roller coaster on what we're going to get from Darwin. He misses a sitter off a Salah assist, and then he scores a bloody unreal first-time smash from a ball from McAllister that comes from nothing. So for me, Darwin's someone that I will look at long-term. I'm only a couple 0.3 off getting Darwin, so I'm one mini downgrade away from a Darwin Nunes. I'm going to ride with Julian Alvarez. I just think with De Bruyne out still, He's just going to keep playing. And we said at the start of the episode, he got a, a good rest against Forrest after the red card as well. I think he doesn't play Carabao Cup. He plays against Wolves. And City's just a team that I expect to put these good sides that they've got coming up to the sword. If that's going to happen, then Alvarez is the one that's going to be creating for Haaland. So I'm going to take, not a risk, but 
I'm going to keep the Alvarez punt because I just think there's enough games there for him to play. I think he's just going to keep going all the way up to their break as a minimum, and then I can look at moving him on. So what are your thoughts there on that third striker? I think you know we know what your thoughts are on Archer because you've got the 12-pointer out of him and you've been very high in your praise with Archer, but what are your thoughts on that third striker? If you had 7.1 million, what would you be doing? Well, Darwin's 7.4, so you need a fine point for Emil. It's a tough one because Alvarez obviously is fantastic, um, but they have hard fixtures coming up. Um, so the option could, is, Damo, do I take Zuma out for Kabore and bring in Darwin? That's that's probably the way I get there. Only problem with that is that with you having to be so long-term, that other defender you're taking out, Zuma, would play a lot of the fixtures where you want to bench a Matoma, for instance. Yeah. So with that being said, it shoehorns you into paying the archer in those game weeks, which I think a guy starting at 4.5 mil who's on penalties, even though the team's really bad, is not the worst option. Um, and that's what you're expecting from a 4.5 mil that plays. I think the other options there, you know, Awani, interesting. We know he can score, but, you know, we'd rather have better fixtures. Wissa, uh, you know, at the moment, maybe, maybe not. Ferguson, we don't know what's going on there. Um, if we knew Ferguson was nailed, I would say, yeah, just get Ferguson in and spread a bit more fun yeah. around. Um, I think the move could be Kabore. And I think if you're wildcarding this week, I would go the Kabore darwin route only because it means you get the double this week and I would play Kabore this week. It is a hard shout. Darwin is very much the same as Matoma. My concern with Darwin is when he does start, he will never play 90 minutes. Yeah, but in that 75 minutes in the games Liverpool dominate, which we generally dominate most, and we have some very good fixtures coming up, I expect Darwin to get chances. Now, that's a difference between Darwin scoring or not, because we know what Darwin's all about, me and you. But we do love Darwizzi. Um, I just think having the double Kabore this game week is huge, because he has very good assist threat. And if they're going to score... Kabore is the guy that's probably going to create it down that right-hand side for Luton. So I think getting a double game week and a player that in an emergency can play and then having Darwizzi, who you can hold all the way through to like game week 17 nearly um, and then take him out to a cheaper striker or make a couple of moves and go up to a Well, Jesus. then Alvarez comes back in then. Rough. Correct. Oh, maybe not. Alvarez can come in for 19 when they go Everton, Sheffield, Newcastle, Burnley, Brentford, Everton, Chelsea, Bournemouth. Yeah, but I don't mind bringing him in in 17, though, or 16. Ahead of the Alvarez. blank. Yeah, yeah. Because as long as you've got someone that plays in that blanking week, which yeah, Kabore everyone should. Uh, it's just them and Brentford, so as long as you don't have Brentford options, um, yeah, then you're okay. Um, because I'm looking at a game week 16 wildcard, and I would be bringing Alvarez in. And, and it's an opportunity then, to chase rank, isn't it? Because everyone's brought Alvarez in last week. Yeah. But What's Darwin? Sa- Darwin yeah. is 12% owned. Correct. Now, I will say this. This is probably not the time to sell Alvarez. This is definitely not a knee-jerk from Paul saying, oh, he's got one point and off we go. Um, it's more the fact that to fund other moves and make the team more long-term, Alvarez could definitely come out. I would almost go to the stage that I would start Kabore and keep Alvarez and keep the money in the bank. And then when it's game week nine and the fixtures really turn, then you're probably moving Alvarez to Darwin. Because I think there's a world, and I don't own Alvarez, and it scares me, 
that after these two games of rest, he goes bang, bang again with a lot of fantasy points. Probably gets up to 7.2, 7.3, 7.4 mil. And then you probably can sell him to Darwin then when the fixtures do turn. So I almost could, would prefer Kabora in, zoom her out, keep Alvarez, keep the extra money in the bank knowing it's going to be for Darwizzi. And then in game week nine, when the fixtures really do swing to Liverpool, especially for those next three, which is what, Luton... Luton, Everton, Luton, Forest? Forest, yeah, yeah. Everton, Forest, Luton. Correct. Uh, yep, um, then I would be going, all right, game week nine, I've got them a couple of prices out of Alvarez and he's got my points. I've already got the money in the bank to go from Alvarez straight to Darwin and off we go. So that means Alvarez will play Wolves, Arsenal, Brighton. Which isn't the worst. Wolves are Wolves. Arsenal have been conceding. and Especially Brighton, at the Emirates as well. Yeah, correct. And Brighton are Brighton. So they will score. Brighton will score three against City, but they'll concede five. Yeah. And then you take Alvarez out for the Liverpool run yeah. where he goes Man United, Bournemouth at home, you probably go shit. But then Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs. And then you probably look at bringing him back in anyway around game week 16 anyway. Correct. Uh, I think it's game week 16 or 17 because they play after Spurs, they play Palace. Sheffield and Palace. Yeah. Yeah, and then you'd go, okay, then you bring Alvarez in, just make sure you have a benching option for game week 19 to bench him and Haaland and whoever the third Man City asset is if you go on a third one there and then go back to whatever, then go back to the norm. But I think that's a not bad way. that If you want Darwin, but you're scared of Alvarez, I think getting Alvarez for the next few game weeks and then get Darwin in is not bad. It also gives you the flexibility that if Darwin gets injured or it looks like Gakpo's all of a sudden nailed again, which, look, as a Liverpool fan, I hope he's not. Yeah, you can pivot. Um, you're correct. And you can pivot to someone else or just keep Alvarez through the hard fixtures because it's City, they're fixture-proof. And then you can use the point seven to either move Archer up to a better bench third striker or move Kabore up at that point too. Like, yeah, yeah. again, if, if it turns out that you don't go to Darwin, you then can just move Kabore back to Zuma in game week 9, 10 or 11 as well. Yeah. There's lots to think about there. Um I don't particularly. Otherwise, yeah, you you bank the moves and you can just move Kabore down. But I do understand the getting him in for the double um, for the assist potential. If I just look at his numbers so far, right now he's got a point seven xa and only has point one xg, and he did get an assist at the weekend in eighty four minutes as well. So he's starting to look a bit more locked in. That's going to be a decision that's going to sit on my mind for a long time on, on what I do there um, because I'm not 100% sure. But that is the team at the moment. So I am going to put Zuma back in for now because I think I'm leaning 55% to, to Zuma over Kabore and just when I want to make the Alvarez move, I just know that it's going to happen in a game week where it's going to be making two transfers and moving someone down to make that happen and hopefully Alvarez has had a few price rises at that point. This team still has 0.2 in the bank as well. So if Alvarez is getting one or two price rises, then I should be able to make that move to zero in the bank to Darwin or another 7 million striker. You know, long-term, I'd love that to be a a Newcastle attacker as well with their fixtures, but I just 7.6, 7.8. To make a meal, I'd have to do some stuff. But then again, we don't know who the... Locked in number nine is for Newcastle. So that's probably the other issue there. So that's the team. I'll run through it one more time. So it's Areola and a 3.9 in Virginia. Then a Stupin and Cash, Botman, Yudoji, Zuma, Sun, Matoma, Salah, Bruno, Diaby, Archer, Alvarez, Haaland, 
The reason I lean that is because I always talk about having rotation flexibility in my teams. And I just think if I go back to Kabore Archer, I'm in the same position I'm in now with Anderson and Bayer. And I just don't like that as an option. I know Archer's a better option than Anderson, but I just don't want to be shoehorned into two players that I'm not particularly fond of starting more so than not. But I will say that Archer is a lot better than Anderson. So... Before we move, Damo, we do have some questions. Beautiful. So let me get the Discord up. If you haven't joined the Discord, it is in the description of the podcast. And here we go. So, Burgers put a few. We're going to do these as quick-fire questions. Is yep. Trippier a must-own alongside a Botman or a Shah? Oh, it's tough. Uh, if you got the funds, yes. If you don't have the funds, I wouldn't break my team for it. So the answer is no. He's not a must-own. I don't know. It's close. I'd say it's close, but I'd say he's not a must-own because you're not going to be able to predict the assists and I don't think their defense is as strong as it was last year. So the next question, is Chuel a must-sell? Thinking about Kabore in for him for the double and banking money to move to Salah in two weeks. I think he is a must-sell, and I think you do too because we both made that move already this week. Um, I'm actually going to shock you here, Paul. I don't think he's a must-sell because of uh, Gusto now being suspended. He will go to left-back, Diaz, he will go to right-back, and he will play the next two game weeks at left-wing-back, I think, is Chilwell. So if you've got other fires to put out, put them out first. I think he's going to play the next two. Not a bad shout. And... Oh, this is sort of going on to the same question. So, or is Son a cheaper alternative to Salah since he has great fixtures from 8 to 13? I just think Salah has better fixtures from now to 17 than Son does. And at least we know with Salah, he's always going to play on the right wing and there's no issue there. In the great words of the Taka commercial, why not both? Uh, I think the both are very good options and I would be looking at definitely getting both into your team if possible. If you ask me to pick one between Son or Salah, it will not shock you to know that I would pick Salah just because he's the goat of FPL. Yeah. And I think they're all the questions. Have you got any last things you want to touch on before we wrap things up tonight? No one panic about your rank just yet. You saw how volatile it is. Newcastle aren't going to win every game 8-0 with five players getting all you know sort of returns and stuff like that, or eight really, but... Yeah, I uh, just don't panic. You know, people's ranks are flying around left, right, and centre. There's some really good FPL managers, a lot better than me and you, Paul, that are outside of our ranks. So yeah, outside two mil at the moment. Yeah, so cor- correct. There's things to unfold. My mouse demo is hovering on the play wildcard button. The big question is, do we play it on the podcast? I think we do. I'm not going to say that everyone needs a wildcard. If you're in a position like demo and you can ride your bench and your fixtures through this, then don't play it. For me, the thought of having to play Udoji against Liverpool, Bayer in the crappy double that they've got, and Anderson makes me need to probably play it. (laughs) But I'm also not set up with a midfield that I want as well. That's part of the problem for me because now I'm running with a really crappy 3-5-2 that has Anderson in it too. So, you know, that situation where I am falling behind, I have now live button played my wild card. 
Ooh, here we go. And I've confirmed the transfers because I could change them whenever I want, can't I? Correct. <laughs> so the team we've just run through is now on my screen. So to wrap the podcast up, my team this week, my live team reveal without actually looking into too much of of everything. Who comes out here? I said I was going to take Maddie Cash out, didn't I? So, oh, yeah, I am going to take Cash out. So I am going to back the Brighton double this week. So for me, my team is as stands. It is Areola against Sheffield United at home in goal. It's Botman against Burnley at home. It's Stupinen versus Villa for their potential attacking returns. And then Zuma versus Sheffield United at home. So very strong defensive fixtures there. Then it's Sun versus Liverpool. Matoma versus Aston Villa away. Bruno versus Crystal Palace. Salah versus Tottenham. Diaby versus Brighton. So I have to sort of take the one option there. So it doesn't matter what I do. If I play Diaby in cash or Stupinen and Matoma, someone's going to score against someone. So I'm going to bank on a Stupinen attacking return more likely than Matty Cash. Then... My two up front is Alvarez and Haaland at the moment. This leaves me 0.2 in the bank. Archer is my first sub against West Ham away, I think, with Cash in at number two and then you Doji in at number three. Don't mind that at all. I think that's a very, very, very solid. And then captain on Erling Haaland as well. All right. So another big week, another big podcast. Make sure you get into the Discord if you haven't already. There's going to be plenty of things flying on my channel later in the week as well, similar to last week. I'm going to post this as my wildcard draft this week because it's my team and it'd be pretty hypocritical if I don't put my wildcard team as the team that I post this week. So my team selection is going to be... So I'm not going to post a separate team selection TikTok maybe this week, but we'll see because my team selection should be my wildcard team. But that is my team. Then we'll also have the attacking, defending, midfielder options over on YouTube and TikTok. But once again, make sure you follow FPL Dopata on Twitter because Dom keeps that up to date really, really well. Make sure you come over to Damo underscore 23 and Pauly 29 over on YouTube and TikTok to see some extra content. But Damo, do you want to say anything before we wrap up tonight? Uh, not much. This whole podcast, I've been planning for a Game Week 16 wildcard and it does look very viable for me. So I might be changing my tune to a very lengthy non-wildcard period, which is a little bit boring. Yeah, but that's fine until you get me and you end up with an extra injury and you've banked your transfer in already. So that's probably a bit of poor planning from me. That's put me in this position because if I knew that Edward and Saka had potential injuries, I might have pivoted a different way. But with one free transfer and I'd already used it, I think I kind of needed to rip the Band-Aid off. So it's not that it was a panic, but I needed to be flexible there and we've got there in the end. So I did need to restructure my team anyway. So it's sad that Edward leaves, but I get a return from him. So we, we live and we move. So... Once again, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week for our review of Game Week 7.